Hi, gang. It's your old pal Anthony and Steve from Reviewing History. Hello, everyone. I would just like to say, before you hear this upcoming episode, some of our Italian-American listeners may be slightly offended by some of the language used in the upcoming proceedings. I will translate that into Italian. Listen, you guinea fucks. Do not get angry when we say the word WAP. You may hear WAP, Dago, Guinea, things like that. Get over it. Get over it's it. not a big deal. Nope. Listen, <laughs> Italians don't face racism. We don't face racism. We, we, don't, we don't deal with it as a people. We don't care. Much like New Jersey, we're stronger than the storm. Stronger than the storm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not Italian. I have no say in this. But would you say that it's your word so you could say it? Yeah. It's our word. It's yeah. our word. We're, We're both Italian, yeah. realistically. <laughs> so. Damn, I don't. Anyway, if you got a problem, we'll break your fucking legs. Yeah, don't fucking speak to us. Enjoy the episode. <laughs> but yeah, we love everybody. <laughs> All right, God, that's good for the PSA. Could you stop it? <laughs> You're listening to Reviewing History, your comedy history podcast. I'm filmmaker and teacher Brian Rupert, joined here by Aunt G. And, as always, Stephen Pagliacco. Hey, how's everyone doing? Swell. Doing great. I've been sick recently. Why? Uh, we went to your bachelor party, which was crazy wild time. Live sex shows. Debauchery. <laughs> Ravens. Raves. Crazy sick shit. Rats. Cocaine. Coke. <laughs> I don't remember any of this, and I was there. <laughs> <laughs> I may I may be extremely exaggerating. There were rats. There were rats. <laughs> that was the closest thing you had. <laughs> I have been so sick since that bachelor party. Yeah, you almost died. Uh, do you want to explain what happened, Steve? Sure. We rented an Airbnb, and we found a dead mouse in one of a trap, in a trap, in a kitchen. It's a rat. Once it's inside, it's a rat. Yeah, I guess so. I think it's outside of rats, inside of mouse. No, inside of well, they're, mice. They're legit guys. You know they're two different species, right? Yeah, yeah, but the, the, it was <laughs> small. It was a yeah. mouse. It was small. Right. Once, once you cross into my space, it's a rat. Rat. Yeah. Okay. I know. I know your on, species on, rules. Yes, yeah. So you mean like socially? Yes. It's a rat. <laughs> yeah. For all social intensive purposes, right. he had. A, there were rats in our place, yes. and it was yes. disgusting. You think the rats made you ill? Yes. Dude, I I had COVID. Like in December, almost mm -hmm. a year ago now, I this was worse than COVID. I was fucking sick, man. What's wrong with you? Could not stop coughing. Fever had a hundred six degree fever at one point. We heard that you were feeling ill, headache, fever, and a chill. What movie is it from? Oh, I thought it was Seinfeld. We wish you to get well. Oh. Um, I have no idea what that is. You guys don't know? That's familiar. Is it Osmosis Jones? <laughs> Ferris Bueller's Day? That was a great uh, guess. Okay. <laughs> Good guess. Yeah. 
106 fever is dangerous. That you could have died. <laughs> yeah, you could have had like one of some of those like permanent brain problems. He probably it's possible did. I did. He probably did. Look <laughs> at him. Yeah. Does he look like a regular person to you now? I mean, look at his hair. He looks. I disheveled. took my hat off. Oh no, <laughs> my secret shame of my giant jufro. <laughs> <laughs> There's a reason I wear a hat. Um, you can take the hat off. We're no, joking. it's okay. What 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 disease can you get from just a dead rat? Hantavirus. What's Dude, that? There's like six or seven different diseases that we should all get tested for now. Yeah, they're like it's extremely deadly to be around like mice yeah. and shit. Like you know, that. you ever hear of the bubonic plague? That actually started from gerbils. What? I'm really? dead serious. No, yeah, it started from. I no, I swear <laughs> to God, no bullshit. It was not rats and mice. It was actually uh, gerbils and hamsters was that it? carried the it fleas. Was fleas. Yeah. yeah, but there was the fleas on fleas gerbils attached, and hamsters specifically, not rats rodents. and mice. Where are you getting this from? Yeah, I swear to God, I'll, was it I'll the pull it up. Wasn't it fleas that attached to rodents, and then the, the fleas bit people, and that transferred the disease? You're thinking of you're not thinking of, you. You're mixing up the bubonic plague with Richard Gearitis. <laughs> that's as Brian, <laughs> as Brian Google's furiously. That spread through Hollywood rapidly. Yes, that was a joke from 1987. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Gerbils likely pushed plague to Europe in the Middle Ages. What? This yeah. is a Google search. What website is that from? Study now claims that ger- gerbils... Not help. the rats. Yeah, I'm serious. Is that NPR.org? It, yeah, but they're <laughs> citing the study, which I'm not going to look up the whole study, but... This is the, the first uni- I'm hearing. About. University of Oslo looked it up. The Swedes? Um, yeah. Basically, the, he, the, what the theory oh, is wait, is, no. is Oslo, no, Oslo's Norway. Norway. Yeah. <laughs> um, the the theory is that the rat story doesn't add up because if rats carried the plague to Europe and Europe still has a shitload of rats, then the plague should still be found, but it isn't. Yeah, but the and they discovered that mm-hmm. it's fleas from dead gerbils that jumped on animal and human traders who brought mm-hmm. it to European cities. But according to you, they're all rats. Where did gerbils come from? <laughs> rats. Gerbils come from rats? According uh, to Brian. Gerbils it's come like Pokemon. They evolve. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> gerbils come from Central Asia. Really? That's yeah. The Asian you know about like um, the Mongols? And I the think s- they were Asian. <laughs> it's an Asian gang or something. Yeah. The Mongols famously catapulted plague-infected dead bodies over mm-hmm. the walls of, I believe it was, um, oh God, I think it was Kaffa in Crimea. Mm-hmm. And that is where, during that siege... The plague really found uh, its first foothold in Europe, and, and that was where Steven Seagal was the chef on the um, the submarine. He was under siege, under siege, and he you know rose up and fought back. Right. Anywho, real real quick though, uh, the re- the test results of this gerbil thing, uh, it's in you could the results are in an issue of Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences, and there's the full study uh-huh. with the data. There. I'd like to hear about this. I yeah, think I'll do some, that on my own time. I yeah. think there's some inconsistencies here. Oh? Yes, because nobody else got really sick besides Brian. Now, you could blowing argue, a gerbil? You could argue that Brian has been doing some gerbil play. <gasps> So I'll tell you the truth. Do you know the scene in Road Trip where Tom Green takes the mouse and he's putting it in his like tongue? Yeah. I was doing that with the dead mice. Fair. I, how could you resist? Feeding. Yes, Mitch. Yeah. Mitch was the snake. Didn't you have a snake, Mitch? Yeah, I had an, a, a ball python named Mitch after the movie. What happened to him? He froze to death because the light bulb broke while we were away on vacation. Uh, AKA, the, I think my parents killed him on purpose and then told me, like, oh, light bulb broke. 
I saw a video kind of went viral in the last week or two of a python strangling a dog and then some kids come and save the dog. They beat the shit out of the python and unwrap it. That's and, fucking amazing. Yeah, it was, it's a great Heroes. video. Heroes. <laughs> With someone saying, like, pig in the water, pig in the water. It was a foreign country somewhere. Okay. I don't know. It wasn't like a fake Nathan for you. Uh, no, thing. it wasn't Nathan for you. Is that from the rehearsal? No, in the in Nathan for you, like the first episode or second episode, is him faking a viral video of a pig being rescued by a goat being rescued by a pig in the water, and he made a fake viral video, and it became a <laughs> and it became a thing. I don't think I've ever seen that one. That one's great. I I binged Nathan for you this past week. Nathan rule. You finished it? It's fucking phenomenal. How much do you love the bl- the blue smoke detector? <laughs> Hysterical. <laughs> my favorite thing is Summon Ice. One of the funniest oh, things Summer I've ever seen in my life. Yes. I was legit crying. I woke my wife up. She was sleeping next to me. I was laughing so hard I was bawling. <laughs> and I woke her up. Uh, He's a genius. Yeah, if you haven't seen Nathan for you, definitely watch that. The rehearsal's really good. Have you seen it? I saw the first episode. Yeah. What'd you think? Fantastic. It gets better. The last episode blew my fucking mind. That's mind. what everybody's saying. Is that this last one was a masterpiece. Yeah. He said it was finding, my friend said it was finding Francis Level. Yeah. You've seen Finding Francis. Yeah, well, I finished Nathan for you. That's the last episode. Yeah. That's yeah. something else, isn't it? It's insane. If you haven't seen Nathan for you, folks, go for it. Yeah, and you probably hated this last five minutes of the show. Yeah, I did. Anyway, so <laughs> Pittsburgh was fun. What What did you think about Pittsburgh as a city, other than our rat problem? Ooh, let's talk about Pittsburgh. Sure. Well, my take on it is this. Going back a few years ago, I'd say probably 2019, it was... Widely discussed in certain circles that Pittsburgh is one of the finest cities to live in America. It's up and coming, a lot of uh, new money coming in and building the, hipsters, the place up. The yeah. hipsters changing everything. So I used to go quite a bit before the pandemic, right? Mm. And like they were like they would buy these old factories and turn them into awesome restaurants and stuff, right? You were a uh, very much huge part of us going the reason we went there well obviously it was my bachelor party but i didn't know what i wanted to do Mm -hmm. and i had never been to pittsburgh and brian spoke so highly about it Mm -hmm. that we decided that's where we're gonna have my uh my bachelor party but i think since the covid pandemic i think a lot of those people making pittsburgh i think that's a lot of cities in general yes probably went back to where they came from because pittsburgh while parts of it are stunningly beautiful other parts are a level of urban decay. As a New Yorker, I'm really not familiar with seeing, you know, just abandoned buildings everywhere mm. and all kinds of fucking just downtrodden folks, you know? Good food, though, right? Like I had a great time. Good vibes. Oh, yeah. Every, the place was great. I had so much fun. The weirdest thing to ever happen to me, though, other than the rats, happened in the middle of Pittsburgh. Something I never thought I'd be in unless I was in Abu Dhabi. You mean the dust storm? The dust storm. Oh, yeah. So we were leaving, like, this store <laughs> with, like, a bunch of CDs and stuff. Yeah. And out of nowhere, a literal, like, dust cloud flew into the middle of the street and, like, attacked us. It came towards us, like, from a block away. You could not see or walk in it, right? I was still inside when it started, and I walked out, and you guys were all running back inside. And I was like, what's happening? And I just see, like, what looked like a tornado coming down the street. (laughs) It was very, you know, Dorothy in Kansas. And we were the only people bothered by it. Yeah, everybody else was just like, yeah, this is normal. We'd never experienced that before. But then we went out and walked in it, and it it wasn't that big a deal. Uh, My eyes were bothering me the rest of the day because I have contacts. Mm, That was was uh, a rough day. Yeah, that's probably a pain in the ass. But... 
Other than that, fun trip. Yeah, right? we had a good time. Other than yeah, my illness, which is the reason we're recording this a little later than I would have liked. I've been out of commission for a bit. Mm. Yeah, whatever. The fans will never know. No, because we've come out in time. Fans. What fans? You know, those two guys. <laughs> two people that <laughs> The two listen. guys that engage with us on the internet. Thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs> One of two guys. But the movie we're doing today. This is a fan, a fan request. Someone did request this. A TSD yeah. oh, listener yeah. uh-huh. did request that we do The Untouchable. So... If you if you are one of the two guys still listening and you are a TSD listener, get ready because we're doing for you. the Untouchables. So, have you guys seen this before? Yeah, uh, I have seen this dozens of times, multiple times. Yeah. I love this movie. I've since seen I was it a multiple kid. times. Yeah. I think a lot of people, if you are a movie person, you've probably seen this more than a few. So I'll say this about the movie: I uh, think it's a bit of false advertising. It's not accurate. Well, no. As a kid, like I remember before I ever saw the movie, I would see the VHS, and I legit thought it was like about Gandhi and like the caste system. In what? my head, The Untouchables was about like the Indian caste system and about the Untouchables who right. were at the bottom of the caste system uh, in India. <laughs> I'm gonna say that's not <laughs> that's not false advertisement, Brian. That's you being a dumbass. <laughs> Why are they not called the Untouchables? I think so, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Why did you think this? Because the VHS was like taped off a TV and it was just written the untouchable. So you literally just mean in your house. Yeah. That yeah. VHS copy. I, just... I had never seen the movie though. So am I until I, you know, I think you, I watched it with you for the first time. Oh, yeah. And you were like, let's watch The Untouchables. Yeah, it was always one of my favorites. And I was like, I, I, I didn't know it was like gangster stuff. <laughs> I thought like we were watching like a Gandhi movie. <laughs> I have a question for you. Yeah. So I was I was thinking about this as I was watching the movie. I think kind of the uniquely American genres, it's really westerns and gangster movies, right? Oh, interesting. Would you would you agree with that assessment? Well, that's that is an interesting thing. So because you like they've made crime and gangster movies in other countries, but are, are they just imitations of American gangster movies? Well, that's the thing we need to ask ourselves, right? I mean, if you want to say because at the time when crime movies were really, really like booming, you know, you mean the thirties, the thirties, yeah, like a lot of the world is like fucked up and like not making movies, uh-huh. you know, the, the, like it's. I mean, movies are, in general, like an American art form. Like, it's the American art form. Uh, I, can we really lay claim to that? Um, yes. What about the French? What about the Japanese? You know, I no, mean, other countries have obviously done the art form, but it's like... They didn't perfect it. We... We made it into a larger-than-life thing. We made it into, our, into yeah. our thing. You know, it's, it's still, to this day, so our number, number one export. Number one export. Mm. Number one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. You know, so it's... But I, I think the quintessentially, like, American, it's the Western and the gangster movie. Well, I think, I and I think mm-hmm. especially the gangster movie, the best ones always have something to say about the American dream, right? Yes. It's the inversion of the American dream and success. That's a great way of putting it, yeah. And this movie in particular, you know, well, they use juxtaposition a lot, which we'll talk about in the movie, to show the hardworking blue-collar man... Mm-hmm. Against the rich, affluent gangster. Right. But I, I think the, the main reason why America took so well to those kind of gangster movies is the gangster culture itself in America was 
very much unique. It seems like obviously none of us were there in the you know twenties, but it seemed to have been all encompassing. You know, yeah, like the Up the age the of 80s. prohibition is so just married. You have a decade and a half of of the culture being married to, to organized crime. And then beyond that, now you have extremely powerful people that some would argue are more powerful than elected officials, are more powerful than corporations, you know, and these are criminals. At this you, point, yes. You also have, like, a new immigrant class. That's coming of age. That's coming mm -hmm. of age. And it's, it's a thing that happens, you know, throughout America when you look at, like, even gangs in New York and shit like that. Sure. When new immigrant groups get to a certain age... They form gangs. That's what the first Scarface is about. That's what the second Scarface is about. If they do the third one, I'm sure that's what it's going to be about because mm -hmm. that's just kind of what happens. It's like you have some immigrants that you know are hardworking people that do what they have to do and they climb up and they you know form businesses or whatever and they work sure. and they give their kids better lives. And then you have the flip side of that, which are the ones who go into crime and organized crime. There's always two sides to every group. And they use that to boost themselves up. And it just so happens that the Italians of this particular era really became just such a massive force of criminality. And we, and we, <laughs> and we Alongside, you know, the legitimate people. Yeah. And we see that, too, in this movie, the working class Italian guy who joins them, played by Andy Garcia. Right. Who... As a Hispanic guy, I don't know how this guy has just been playing Italians <laughs> Godfather for, for like 40 years. Yeah. <laughs> they're not too much different. <laughs> it's just so funny to me. It's like he's Andy Garcia, and like you, you kind of think he's Italian. Right, yeah. But like he's the flip side of the Italian gangsters. What he's, was it before you changed it? Yeah. <laughs> so we're talking about the Untouchables. Yeah. Al Capone story. Yep. Yeah. FBI agents. I think we need to discuss... Why everyone's here. Prohibition. Prohibition. So I did want to get into this because I was thinking about it during the time. Um, during the time. Dur during the time I was watching the movie, mm -hmm. or in a little after, I was trying to chew on it. How did Prohibition, because booze like is Johnny Appleseed shit. It's, been, it's a part of the American DNA and the American experience. How did it get to a point? The seeds of Prohibition were being planted way before the 1920s. What started the temperance movement? Because you, Ulysses S. Grant was a guy who yeah. like, was an alcoholic, and he had to become like go to temperance meetings and shit. Yeah, so booze is very much a part of American life, especially in the early days, where you had things like bad water, and you could only drink beer, uh, alcohol, yeah. you know, or the, because the water, the water was unsafe. Yeah, right. I know uh, Alexa de Tocqueville, who is a French uh, historian and journalist who spent a lot of time Token up. in the United States during the 1850s and 60s. He wrote about how Americans drink massively more than their French counterparts. You know, he, was, he would say things like Americans have whiskey when they wake up in the morning, <laughs> whiskey with every meal, whiskey yeah. to open a deal, whiskey to close a deal. Um, just they're constantly drinking. Look at the, the founding fathers. They were, there's that legendary tab. That they had, do you know? Do you ever hear about this? What do you mean? So the founding fathers, where most of their planning would take place, would be in pubs and taverns. Sure. During the revolution, once it came into fruition. Now I'm not sure about the timeline of this, whether it was right before we actually declared it, or during, or after. But it's around that time when you got you had the, the heavy hitters, 
there's a bar tab that was left intact from that time period. From and Brian, if you if you want to look this up real quick, to I want you to read off the amount of bottles that those men drank that night. And mind you, these taverns did not fit hundreds of people. No. You know, they were they were fairly tiny. Yeah. So you could you can estimate like, all right, there's maybe like 30, 40 of them. Mm-hmm. I think they went through oof, hundreds of bottles. Bottles. Not like like me and you splitting a bottle of whiskey, mm-hmm. we'll split it in a night. They would have like two bottles each. <laughs> yeah. Sure. So yeah. Washington and his soldiers, this is the first thing that comes up ran up a $17,253 tab before signing the Constitution. In 1770 dollars. Yes. <laughs> yeah. And it was two days. Can you can is there should be a list of like the amount of bottles they drank. It's insane that that like prohibition actually happened in a country that these guys like right. built. But that being said, temperance and the temperance movement was uh, really got going. Women wanted it more than more than anyone else because they saw their what, what booze was doing to their husbands, and obviously led to things like domestic violence and all kind and abandonment, adultery, yeah, ruinous, you know, debt, things like yeah. that that come with that irresponsibility. Yes, one of the more famous incidents was, of course, Carrie Nation. Are you guys familiar with her? No. So Carrie Nation was a woman whose husband had drunk herself to death, drunk himself to death. I think it was in like Tennessee. Uh, somewhere in the Midwest. And she decided to lash back out at alcohol by going to the local saloon and smashing it up with a hatchet. So she just attacked his business owner. Yes. Destroyed his bar. And when she was arrested, when, uh, you know, she's an older lady, they arrested her. She didn't stay in jail very long. They let her out again. She immediately went to the next saloon and smashed it up. And went on a rampage, essentially, going from saloon to saloon as wherever she could find one and destroying it. And this, she had got followers from this. Like people would, uh, other women would do the same thing. And this was a major, major thing for a while. The, t- the people that really brought Prohibition around, you know, finally in 1920, it's. To like mainstream. Yeah. It's the progressive movement that had started earlier in the century with people like Woodrow Wilson. And it's and a lot of, like, Christians, too, yes, right? Yes, it's, it's, it's the Anglo... And the Utah, like, the Mormons. Yeah, yes, that's what I, that's what I was about to say. It's, it's the original founding American stock that does this. It's not the immigrants. Mm-hmm. The immigrants love drinking. It's Italians, yeah. Irish, Germans. Germans make beer. The Italians love their wine. The Irish drink The Irish every. are drunks. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm Irish. I could say that. <laughs> but it's the founding stock that really imposes this new moral, um, you know, moral crusade that they, they're, they're essentially dictating. The, they want the government to dictate how people run their lives. Yeah, they want Big Brother to come in exactly. and boss everybody around. And, and this is the way things need This to be. is why... And this is now me theorizing. When Calvin Coolidge and the Harding administration in the 1920s come to power after this is all set in motion, it's these this Republican small government people that won't enforce the laws. So that's why you have the lawlessness that reigns over the entire country with organized because crime. Because they're like, yeah, they're we like want- you guys did this. We're we're small government. We're not going to enforce it. So now. Well, people like two, Al Capone, well, people like Lucky Luciano now run the country. Well, correct me if I'm wrong, but there's two separate things. There's the amendment, and then the enforcement of is it the is the Volstead Act. Act. There's yeah. two separate things. Right. 
So it's the 18th Amendment that gets passed that makes prohibition the law of the land, as Elliot Ness will say. Yep. And then the Volstead Act, I think, is specifically prohibits the sale and distribution. Yeah, and it's that's what you're used. Like, if you violate it, that's what you're charged with. Right. So that's prohibition. 1920 gets passed, yep. and it will not be repealed until, I believe, 1933. 30, or is it 32? 33 or 34. I and believe. that'll be the 21st Amendment that will repeal it. So let's get to the movie. We're actually looking at the end of Prohibition, or pretty close to it when the movie begins. But there's a bit of... The first scene is a little girl getting blown up in a convenience store. Which is fake. That never happened. Of course. <laughs> it's portraying something called the Beer Wars. Do you know about the Beer Wars? No. So the Beer Wars were a time in Chicago when you had Capone and his Southside boys with Johnny Torrio uh, fighting the Irish Northside gang with uh, Dini O'Banion. And they were. He was a horrible stand up comedian, O'Banion. He would always talk about Ovaltine. <laughs> That's <laughs> he would say. He would say, why is it not round team? <laughs> I have to think for a second. I'm like, what the? What is he talking about? <laughs> That's gold, Jerry. Uh, gold. gold. <laughs> <laughs> Been working out. I'm huge. <laughs> so throughout the 20s, the beer wars ranged, and they culminated with, everybody knows, the St. Valentine's Day Massacre, where Capone's men dressed up like police officers and gunned down some top Northside gang members. In the movie, though, it's portrayed like this has already happened, but that... That explosion is supposed to kind of represent that. Yeah, so the movie, I believe, starts in 1930. All this already yeah. happened. They did use bombs, though. You, you said that didn't happen. It, it didn't kill, like... Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, you can't I'm, even say that. It, it, they might have killed a little girl doing that because they were bombing places Oh, constantly. no doubt about it. So I don't know where you got that information I looked from. it up, and a historian said that that incident Specific incident. That specific yeah, incident, yeah. sure, but they but were there's bombing tons of there's tons places. of collateral damage. They were bombing cars. You know, you have, yeah. you have drive-bys going on. Right. You know, um, with Tommy guns. Yeah, exactly. exactly. The most accurate things in the world. <laughs> so after the St. Valentine's Day massacre, it's kind of seen by most, by the public, as so ridiculously over-the-top violent that finally something, must be done. something has to be done. And what they do is they make a task force to go after Capone. Because everybody knows Capone did it, but he was in Florida at the time when it went on, so he has an alibi. He didn't specifically do it, but his men did. Yeah. So they want to find a way to bring down Capone, Elliot Ness. Which is such a, real quick, that's such a funny thing in this movie in particular, is like, we don't have any famous crime lords today. That El just, Chapo. Um, El Chapo, though is not in the middle of the American press and public doing interviews right. about like how popular he is. He's in another country, you know, and like he's hiding half the time. Right. And no but nobody is Capone. You know, at the same time his contemporaries hate him for doing it. But this. even guys like Lucky Luciano, nobody knew Meyer him. Meyer Lansky. The they don't know them. They the don't time. know that they're gangsters at the time. They they're not in the spotlight. We find out about that stuff later. Yeah. You know? Okay, because in my so head... So other gangsters they were. Right. In my head, everyone knows that these guys are gangsters at the time. <laughs> no, I, I mean, the commi like people didn't even know the commission existed. And by the commission, I mean the five families that got together and okay. formed, you know, Cosa Nostra. But that, didn't, that and didn't happen that's the, later That's the Gambino on. crime on, family, right? Not much later. It's like right after this. I, it's, I it's in the 30s. The, yeah. It's it in, the in the 30s? Yeah. You but, sure? But yes. like even in the 70s, that's the Gambino crime family, right? It's all five that, of them. There's five that's, that's families. That's five of them. There's five families. Five. They get together, and 
the anything that goes on must be agreed upon by the five families. The Gambinos. Here's the story. Um, the bananas. A bunch of Italians. Who came together to commit some Columbos, organized crime. And there were car yeah. bombs and lots of violence. <laughs> 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 and guys with scar faces. Um. <laughs> but that lasted up until like the late 80s. I like mean, as, far, as far as we know, it still exists. Well, yeah. the, I meant when they actually had a stranglehold on like a, like actual power. Well, it's it's new ways of enforcing a law that really diminishes their power. Rico Things like the stuff. RICO Act. Yeah. But there's no like like if Tony Soprano was a real guy, let's say hypothetically, right? He's at the tail end of it. Yeah, and that I'm, was what the show. But was I'm about. saying like I'm yeah. saying like even like like if Al if Tony Soprano was a real car a real person. Mm. It would be like if he was doing interviews with the news about how I'm a legitimate businessman, yeah. you know? But everyone knows he's not. Right. And that's what Capone is. And it's so weird to me that this was allowed to happen. Because the administration in Chicago is so corrupt, they're all on the take for Yeah, So true. no one is going to enforce the law. Yeah. Mayor uh, Thomas Hale, uh, Thomas Hale something, he famously is like one of the most corrupt politicians to ever hold office. Really? In yeah. Chicago? Yeah, the mayor. And all that's real. Like, this is after Capone was living in Cicero. He moved into the, a hotel in the middle of Chicago, which is where, where he is in the movie. Thompson. William Hale Thompson. Hale Thompson, yes. Um, Hale Thompson. That's what you had to say when you saw him. <laughs> so the movie starts. The girl blows up. Yep. And then it cuts to um, Capone, played by De Niro, yep. getting a shave. And being interviewed by the press. And he's like, alcohol is the will of the people. Right. The shot is so good, too. It starts from above, from yeah, over the head. Yeah, I love that shot. And Oh, real quick. Can we yeah. talk about Brian De Palma? Yeah. Fucking awesome. One of the best directors ever. He did Scarface. He did Scarface, which isn't a good movie. But, like, his camera movement and the way he controls a camera and the way he knows how to use a one-shot effectively and build tension, he's one of the fucking best. Yeah, he's, this movie's great. It's phenomenal. I also want to say something real quick about the soundtrack. It's Ennio Morricone. It's yes. amazing. I always hated it my whole life. No. Always hated it. Felt like it didn't fit the movie. It's too 80s sounding to me. And then I watched it this past time, and I was just loving it. I don't know what ha what clicked in my head. I had the opposite effect. You hated it. I hate it. Oh, I loved it. I love Morricone. This sounds like a 60s Batman movie. The, mu the music is very, very much in your face. It's bad. <laughs> I think he's There's no ignoring. It I never think, fits. Ever. I think he's referencing like the old Elliot Ness TV shows, like in fifties things like that. Yeah. If he is, I wouldn't too, even yes. know. I wouldn't know it, but I feel like he's definitely trying to homage that. Because that's but, what it seems like. It's it's like you said. It's it's forward. It's it's loud. Mm -hmm. It's chaotic at times where it shouldn't be. It's very strange. Yeah. It's strange music. But Brian De Palma is directing this. He's kicking ass. Those shots. His shots are fucking oh, great. Oh, those cut shots. We'll talk about some things, like, but the, and the way he builds tension. The split screen incredible. shots are fucking amazing. Did you know that Brian De Palma is the one who came up with the scroll, uh, scroll for Star Wars? No, I didn't know that. So Brian De Palma is part of the film Brats, right? Yeah. Which is Scorsese. Uh, I don't know if it's Scorsese. Yeah, he is. He is? Okay. It's Lucas, Spielberg, Brian De Palma. Scorsese, there might be another guy who I'm, he's, whatever, it doesn't matter right now. Anyway, so... Mitch Hedberg. <laughs> yeah. The Why did I name a real person? Yeah. I just wanted to come up with a fake name, and the first thing that came to my mouth was Comedian. Mitch Hedberg. What the fuck is wrong with me? He just had great one-liners all the time. <laughs> he is the king of one-liners. <laughs> 
So Lucas is screening the Star Wars for them, right? The first cut. And De Palma goes, this makes no sense. It sucks. Give this to me. And he did the credit. The crawl? Sc- the crawl, yeah, that we all know. Yeah. And that was De Palma. Ah, no kidding. Yeah. But the the first shot, De Niro gets nicked by the barber. And my wife pointed this out when she was watching it with me. He's talking about how he's an innocent man. And he's playing the victim yep. of everything. But he has blood on his hands, you see? Because he gets nicked and he touches yeah. it, but the blood is literally on his hands. Oh, that's yeah. good. I, yeah. I didn't catch that either. I didn't either. Yeah. I mean, she would get mad at me if I didn't give her the credit right now. Oh, yeah. No, congrats, <laughs> congrats to Mrs. G. <laughs> uh, can, there's one thing that uh, we got to bring back. What's that? Long coats. Long coats look great. We got to bring back long coats. They look coats. great. The pea coat. Oh, my God. Yeah. Like th- those, th- those beige detective coats. Remember I was wearing one for a while? For a while. Uh, we I, we need more. We need more. <laughs> it's a great look. Yeah. Yeah. The 40s fashion is just so good. Yeah. That's 30s, 30s, to 50s. 40s, 30s, yeah. 30s to 50s is like, it's peak. You that's get a- home from work, it's 90 degrees, you get out of your suit, you put, put on, on another suit. suit. <laughs> <laughs> you just sweat all day. Yeah. Your balls are just always wet. That's living. <laughs> uh, and then we see, I think, this is the first time we see Ness, right? Yep. In his house. Yeah, we're introduced to Ness juxtaposed with De Niro at the barber shop, and he's given he's reading the paper yep. about the explosion with the little girl, and that's kind of to develop a connection he has with finding and exactly. putting components. He's like, he has kids in trouble, right? Which is not real. That is mm-hmm. completely inaccurate. He was just married when this was all going down. He had no kids yet, but the movie did it. You know, make him a family man. Make him a family man. Right. Nice house. I said, nice house. <laughs> I love that. I think I say that anytime we I say see someone's house for the first say, time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like when I brought you to my house for the first time, you I think definitely I said, I said it. it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> nice to have a family. Make sure nothing happens to them. <laughs> Nitty is such like Frank, a hateable Frank character. Uh, what a great actor, though. Yeah, he's like a character oh, actor. Oh, yeah. I don't even know his name. Uh, so they ask Elliot Ness, you know, how he feels about this prohibition stuff, and he's right. like, it's the law of the land. Yeah. I know many of you take a drink. What stops today? Whatever he says. Prohibition is the law of the land, gentlemen. Yes. That right there gives me the other title for the movie. Oh, What's that? What is it? A.K.A. Hypocrite Narcs. <laughs> Ness didn't drink. Ness did not he never, drink. He never has a drink. Everyone else did. Everyone else did and punished those who, who were also. So... Yeah, fuck every. Well, it just goes to show you that the law itself is is it's a stupid. horrible law. Yeah, but they look. Like, as you we should know, not enforce horrible laws. As we know, even in more, even in current society, prohibition doesn't work, right. and it's proven to be a failure. It's the only amendment that I can think of that actually restricts freedoms, whereas all the other ones protect freedom. Yeah, that is actually yeah. true. That being said. Ah, I mean the income tax. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Good point. Yeah. <laughs> There's not much protecting freedom about that. Give us, give us your money, asshole. <laughs> Which I think prohibition kind of had a hand in bringing about. You know, because a lot of uh, government revenue prior to prohibition came from taxing. Alcohol. I actually wrote this down. I have a little note that government taxes and tariffs. They made, I'm trying to make out my shit handwriting here, but 
14% of taxes and revenue came from the sale of alcohol. There you go. 14%. So 14% of the government's budget came from taxing came the sale of alcohol. Taxing the sale of alcohol. Wow. Yeah. And that's once that's done, hefty amount. They need to fleece the people yeah. directly. Anyway, so Elliot Ness gets his boys together, the the cops, and they are going to do a sting operation. Yes. And there's a reporter there taking a picture. And the reporter being there tells you right away that this is going to be a failure. Right. Because he knows. Yeah, Some the word is out already. Someone but has Ness, squealed. Ness doesn't know yet. He's too green. He's too green. But as an audience member, you're like, well, this reporter knows about it. Clearly something. Surely, surely the mobsters know. Yeah. And this is true to life. Like, they, like Ness, at least in the early days when he was rating stuff, would inform the press. And inevitably, the press yeah. is going to tip off whoever they want. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, there were a lot of failed stings like this. So then he runs in and he breaks open a box with a full of Canadian maple leaf and it has like Chinese umbrellas. In yeah. It. <laughs> and there's the and hey, <laughs> and they take a picture of him with the umbrella. Yeah. He look. He looks a fool. He does look a fool. Stupid Costner. And then he's he's very sad on the bridge. And he walks past Sean Connery. And he walks past oh, Sean Connery. Apparently, what great timing to have the most badass human being on earth the walk past you at that the exact most, moment. The most Scottish Irishman. <laughs> <laughs> so Who would claim to be that? Which who is, is not? <laughs> so their conversation, though, mm -hmm. is pure David Mamet. David Mamet. David Mamet wrote the script. Mm -hmm. But like a thing with Mamet, especially in um he does that movie You Love Steve with William H. Macy. Fargo? Where it's the two um Boondock Saints? No, it's the one with the girl where she accuses the professor of something. Oh yes. Uh, uh, How Stella got a groove back? No, no. I know I Is it White Oleander? Ophelia? Uh, something like Ophelia. Something Mistress like Ophelia? No, it's a. Uh, he plays a teacher. William H. Macy. And William H. Macy plays a teacher, and his student is accusing him of sexual harassment constantly mm -hmm. and trying to like ruin his life. Oh no! And and he's just like, "Why are you doing this?" And she's clearly a psychopath, right? And she's just like, "This is why. This is why you said this in class, and that was directed towards me." And he's like, "What are you? What are you talking about?" And it pushes him so far to the edge where he kicks the shit out. Oliana. Of Oliana. Oh, wow. <laughs> but like, even in '94, one thing he does. And you see it in this scene is yeah he'll have two characters. This movie's ninety four. No, no, in oh. Oleana is ninety four. Oh. This is eighty seven. Yeah. But you'll see him have two characters have a conversation, but they're not understanding each yeah. other at all, and it's so frustrating as an audience member that like they're just not comprehending and they're not on the same page at all as they're talking. He does it in Oleana a lot. But you don't think that Connery and Costner. Understood each other in it's this good scene? on the bridge scene. They do, but they don't. It's, it's like they're writing, having though. two different conversations, mm -hmm. mm. and it's very like kind of frustrating that like they're not like it's clear communicating that Connery, clear, Connery is like the experienced police officer, right? He's a and he knows he knows what's up, and he knows the ins and outs. Where you know Elliot's not. He's, no, he's a treasury he's man, a treasury guy. So Elliot is is like, how'd you know this? How'd you do this? And Connery's like, no. I'm not having this conversation with you. Like th that's not my job. Mm. So, uh, like, what but you, he is. I, but Costner is impressed by him that he's, he's able. Impressed he sees, that he's he so knows much that he needs him on his team just to learn from him. Right. But when you say like like the writing where it's like they're having two conversations but it's not on the same wavelength, mm -hmm. I think that's good writing. 
because oh, they, yeah. they're communicating. No, it is great it's writing. It's just on different ways. It's just, it's David Mamet's, like, it's That's like a signature, signature thing. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But you have, like, I love the sequence so much when he's like, you got a gun? Why are you cutting a piece? Oh, yeah. I'm a yeah. Ca- and he just turns his back. You would turn your back, back on, on an, an officer? <laughs> on an arm man? You're a treasury agent. Yeah. <laughs> How do you know? You told me. <laughs> and it makes complete sense. They yeah. give Connery in this movie throughout the entire movie. He has like otherworldly. He has the greatest yeah. lines. In, like, You're mucking with the G. You're going <laughs> to hang high in Haman. But like they, <laughs> they specifically gave him the coolest fucking lines. Everybody knows where the booze is. It's just who wants to cross Cabal. <laughs> <laughs> but they made him like the coolest motherfucker He's ever. Awesome. Yeah. And oh, like. Yeah. Like, he's not that great in the movie, let's be real. Like, he, he won the Oscar for this for Best Actor. Oh, did he really? Yeah, this is how he got his Oscar. Let's be real, this isn't the greatest performance ever, but he got it for everything else. It's one of mm. those Lifetime Achievement Oscars. Mm-hmm. We're like, you were James Bond, dude. Yeah. You've been, like, an action star for 30 years. Yeah. Here, you get an Oscar. This now. is pre-Indiana uh, Jones, right? Yeah, I don't think he had done um, I think that's, Last Crusade I yet. think that's 89. I could be wrong on that. Yeah, 89, he, he is yep. such a badass in this. It's it's overwhelming how badass he is. <laughs> His career is just incredible because like it spans from like slick blockbusters mm-hmm. to low sci-fi schlock yep. to like cool movies like this. Time it's, Bandits. Time Bandits. It's just so expansive. <laughs> He's the fucking best. Love Sean Connery. Who doesn't love him? Anytime he pops up in something, you're happy to see him. Oh, yeah. Especially League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. I mean, the Africa Rock. would not let him die. He's Alan Quarterman. <laughs> Africa yes. won't let him die. <laughs> <laughs> the Rock star in Nicolas Cage. Yes. So the mother is in the office trying to thank Elliot Ness. We got to talk yes. about the mother in the office. Okay. okay. We got to talk about the mother in the office because... The scene left an impression on you. The scene, it didn't leave an impression. Steve was like, why is he not casting couching but her? I, that, yeah. How bad do you yeah. want me to help your right. daughter? Right. That's what I was thinking. No. You're a pervert. This is, <laughs> this is like, what, 1930... Two, three, I think it's 30 in the movie. 30? Yeah. How long must it have taken this woman to get from her house to that police station? How long do you think? I Depends where she lives. She I could live around the block know. for a while. live around the block, usually. Yeah, you could live around the block. Could have took a bus. Could have took a bus. If you're doing public transportation, right? It kind of takes a long time around this. Where the fuck is he going with this? No, 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 I'm saying, no, I have have a point. I have a point. If you're taking like public transportation to do something, it takes a long time today, right? Yeah. Like if I want to go to Manhattan, it takes like an hour and a half. Yeah. How long did public transportation take back then using like horse and buggy and shit? Horse and buggy? They have trains. They're in the middle of a metropolitan. There's cars. (laughs) There are cars, but how many had them? It's the 30s. People have cars. Not that many. They can take the bus. In Chicago. They were riding horses on the border. <laughs> that was on the border. There's like cowboys out there. They were in like Montana. Like, I'm assuming people are still using horses in this area. Like, no. legit. Why are you thinking this? Because when you look, when I looked at the cars, they're really fucking old, and I'm assuming like not they're everybody 30s. has cars. They're brand new cars. <laughs> they're brand new 30s cars. No, they're old style cars, so I'm assuming pe- not everybody has them. It's crazy. I'm not crazy. <laughs> No, my, my point was... What's your point? My point was asking about transportation around that time in Chicago. Was it actually hard to get around? Did they actually have public transportation? Why are you mad about it? I'm not mad. There's That's taxis how I'm talking. in public transportation. Yeah. It's not unreasonable for her to get there. Yeah. It's I not she came like, from New York. <laughs> like, I feel... If, Maybe she just got to the train. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. But what if it took, like, two hours? 
to just, to just get in that office and say like two sentences. She had a thing she wanted to say. She had to say it. <laughs> Would you travel two hours to say two, two sentences? If someone was trying to get revenge for my dead child? Yeah. yeah. Why not? I mean, maybe I'd shoot him a text first, but you know, <laughs> it's not unreasonable to travel and thank the person. <laughs> that was the weirdest thing. <laughs> Avenue of all time. <laughs> I'm glad we went down it. Yeah. yeah, I wanted to just know about public transportation in Chicago in that time. I wasn't sure about it. That's all. Public transport, Steve. <laughs> so you're a train man. Tell me. <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> I'm a wealthy heiress. <laughs> so then Elliot Ness goes to Sean Connery's house. And Sean Connery pulls off, pulls out a sawn-off shotgun. Sixteen thirty-two Racine. Yep. I like that you know the address. Mm -hmm. And he wants Connery to join him, and Connery's like, "I'd rather stay alive." Was yeah. Con Connery wasn't married in this, right? No, no. he's a single man. He yes. decorated that house himself. Yeah, he may have with the finest in nineteen thirties like <laughs> <Wallpaper>. decor. <laughs> yeah, it's he hides booze in his in his toaster in yeah. his oven. Yeah. yeah, it's a really <laughs> nice like like apartment, you know, for the thirties. It's like a corner sure. house. Yeah, it's got like a nice rounded corner. And, it like, does. A giant window. And yes, it's, like, he's supposed to be this broke beat cop, but he has like a four bedroom like house. Well, back in the day, everyone had that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So then, so then uh, they go back to the office, and Oscar Wallace is there, the nerdy tax man. Yes. Who is based on real guy? Who is actually probably the person most responsible for the uh, capture sure. of Capone? Well, the prosecution of Capone, I should say. Uh, his name is um, Jimmy Touchable. Frank J. <laughs> <laughs> Frank J. is a fake name. Frank J. is his real name. And uh, doesn't that sound like an alias? Yes, it does. Frank J. Um, <laughs> Not even the last name. By the way, uh, we should say this. All of the untouchables, with the exception of Elliot Ness, are fictional people. No. Uh, well, I looked it up. Jimmy Malone, Connery, is based on a treasury agent named Michael Malone. Uh-huh. That, uh, that they, Ness talks about in his book. Now, I know about Michael Malone. Okay. He is not really an untouchable. What he was was a guy who infiltrated Capone's organization. Yeah, he was an undercover guy. I mean, other than the fact that they have the same last name, I don't think Connery really is that guy. You From know. what I saw, he was kind of based on him. Okay. They they, they took liberties, mm -hmm. you know? And, like, working for the Treasury, that's basically just, like, being an FBI agent at this point. Uh, I think this is a special like, unit of yeah, the Treasury. Right. Right. But it's almost like an FBI agent, it seems, because... Obviously, the avenue they go down to Cap Capone yeah. is, is tax evasion, so I mean, uh. it's all in the same world. Mm -hmm. Ness is really known for the real Ness. For these type of raids and stuff. Yeah. He's the flashy, exciting stuff. He's the stuff. face of it. But it's not that that will put Capone behind bars. No. It's the it's paperwork. paperwork. Yeah. <laughs> so it's it's uh, it's funny that he gets all the glory for it. But I guess he is the one that he's would the get face, the glory He's the face, you know? You're, people still associate you with that. It's like if Derek Jeter never got a hit in the World Series and the Yankees still won... And he was the captain. Everyone would still be fucking, you know, saying that he was a big part of the teams. Mm -hmm. You know, no one remembers that. They just remember that you won. Right. Mm -hmm. Anyway, Wallace is first seen. He's already talking about the tax. Right away. Thing. They build it right away. He's yes. like, hey, maybe we could get him on tax returns. Yeah. And and Ness just kind of brushes him yeah, off. No, like, okay. nah, that's ridiculous. You charge a murderer with. Uh, and then Sean Connery shows up. And yes. they leave the office. And he gives the amazing <laughs> speech. Yes. Which one of us is going to do it? 
about the Chicago way. You sent one of his men to, uh, to the morgue. <laughs> Is this when they're in the church? Yes. Yeah, he, yeah. they go to church. What are you willing to do? Yes. <laughs> he sent one of your men to the hospital. What you sent one to the morgue. What are you willing to do today? If he has sex with one of your men, you have sex with two of his. <laughs> That's the Chicago, Chicago way. way. <laughs> <laughs> If he blows you, you spit it in his face. <laughs> no, in this case, if he licks your asshole, make sure you, you pink fu- sock him. <laughs> he licks your asshole, you fart. <laughs> Malone, why do you keep saying gay sex things? That's the Chicago way. <laughs> why do you think we call it a Chicago dog? <laughs> You put a mustard on his dick and you lick it off. You use it as lube. <laughs> I do not approve of your methods. <laughs> but damn it, you get the job done. <laughs> the Canadian. Yeah. <laughs> You're not from You're Chicago. Not from Chicago. They give us smirks we try to smack each other's asses. Yeah. <laughs> so he does the whole you pull a gun speech. <laughs> And then they go to the post office. Well, he says, God hates a coward, which is a great line. Mm-hmm. Um, then they go to the police academy. Well, and no, no, they go across the street. No, first they go to the police uh. academy. Oh, okay. I'm pretty yeah, they sure. go, no, 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 they go to the police academy first. If you're afraid of getting a rotten apple from the barrel, go to the go tree. tree. Because yeah. the, he goes, uh, that, there goes the next chief of police, because he's like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah he's like and stuttering. Yeah. Yeah. And then they get... Andy Garcia. Andy Garcia, George a, Stone, ooh, Giuseppe they, Pedri. They build it early. He's a great shot. Yes. Like, he's an amazing marksman. Payoff, yes. Yep. Set up and payoff. Uh, that the, the Italian people are kind of uh, frowned upon in this time. Yes. So much so that he has to change his name. Yeah. Right. People forget that. What was it before you changed it, you dirty wop? Yeah. That's, uh, <laughs> that's brutal. I said you're a lion member of a, a no-good no race. race. I say that line all the time. Yes, you do. <laughs> it's such to a me. Good line. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a good line. <laughs> yeah. Now they they uh, <laughs> he he proves that he's worthy. He points a gun at yeah. him. And Sean Connery's like, I like him. Irish pig. I like Connery him. got turned on. <laughs> oh, like I he, like him. Because he points the gun. Oh, I like him. <laughs> <laughs> this movie's awesome. But they get Andy Garcia, and then Connery just has amazing lines. Every word he says. Yeah, everything is he says is just great. Yeah. And then uh, they go to the post office. Then they go to the raid. Right. They raid the post office. It's across which is, the street. It's across the street from the police station. <laughs> yeah. And it's full of booze. Everyone knows where the booze is. Who wants to cross Capone? They also had a really well-placed axe right in front of that door. Well, it's a fire escape. Yeah. And you get the guy in there. What is this? <laughs> <laughs> this isn't good. Yeah. Where's your warrant? Here's my warrant. And he just... How do you think he boom. feels? Better or worse? <laughs> <laughs> he just committed like 10 crimes. <laughs> what is happening here? So they, they have a big, big successful raid. And then the next scene is them celebrating. And they take the picture right. at the thing mm-hmm. with the news reporter. He's like, this one's for us only. <laughs> and then they show Costner at home with his wife yes. and his family. And they immediately juxtapose it with the De Niro baseball bat scene. Yes. Mm-hmm. And he's walking around and he gives a speech about baseball. Yes, Ty Cobb and so on. And he bashes <laughs> this dude's fucking brains Yes, in. now that is actually based on a real event. 
Okay. Where Capone. Cap One. Found Cap One. Founder of uh, the bank. Right. Later. Full name Capital, last name One. <laughs> he found out that two uh, hitmen that worked for him were actually preparing to betray him and have him killed. Really? Yes. And he called a meeting, and at this meeting, he actually bludgeoned both of them to death with a baseball bat. Oh, wow. And that is what this scene is based on. You know, I can understand getting one. The second guy... Well, he had guys holding them. Okay, that's what I was going to say. You're, you're just <laughs> yeah. sitting there, like, you're like, oh, man, he got Frank. Good thing he's not going to hit And then next thing you know, it's just... <laughs> <laughs> Frank. <laughs> and they, they do they go back to the scene with them and the family again? Yeah, they do. They, they do. Yeah, it's a great little cutaway. It's, they juxtapose the two of them yeah. constantly like mm-hmm. that. And we just all agree that kissing kids on the lips is weird because they they do that. Eskimo and butterfly, Dad. It's fucking creepy. <laughs> Tom Brady does it. And it must be okay. <laughs> Makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> then you get the scene in in uh, the police station where Slugworth comes and <laughs> it's him. It he offers him. them an everlasting gobstop. Yes. Uh. <laughs> I didn't realize it was Slugworth. It's fucking Slugworth. Holy shit. That guy's in another movie. <laughs> <laughs> Slugworth comes and tries to bribe him. Yeah. The captain's That's, like, he works that, for Capone. No, he works for Brian me. Brian De Palma, when he's cast in the role, he's like, I need someone who's great at bribing people. I guess Slugworth <laughs> did it in Willy Wonka. Yeah, let's get let's get Slugworth. Back. What, what's he up to these days? And then they have the speech about the Romans. Yeah, yeah like throwing fucking a politicians into man. the Tiber with weasels or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he will not take the ride. Yes, and that's where they get their name. Oh, you guys are untouchable. Is that uh, the thing? You're untouchable. <laughs> They got good press finally, yes. right? Freaky then we white get hat, white then, suit. Then we get one of our favorite scenes. Nice house. Nice house. I said nice house. Now this is bullshit because Capone actively told his people to avoid messing with the federal agents and the feds because he was like, it's only gonna bring heat on us if we start fucking with like the feds like this. Mm-hmm. That was what I read. That may be true to some extent. I'm almost positive, now I might be wrong too, that Ness had like a kill order on him from them. Like they were fucking with his family. Like, and they had to go into hiding. Well, there's also different. But not from Frank Nitty. Frank Nitty was like a bag man. Yeah. He's not like this awesome white suit guy. <laughs> He's like Crazy a low assassin. He ended up actually, like, he doesn't get thrown off of a building in real life. <laughs> Like at the end of this, yeah, and uh, another one of our favorite lines that oh, we yeah. caught all the time. Did he sound like that? Yeah. <laughs> you think about that while I beat the rap. I said your friend died screaming like a stuck Irish pig. <laughs> he killed himself in real life. Yep, he yeah. killed himself really? in jail. Yeah, after Capone died, he took over the family. He was in jail, mm-hmm. and then he killed himself. Wow. Well, now Ness kind of runs into the house because he thinks his family. Yeah, something yeah. happened to him. And they're okay. And uh, you get a weird line. What's the line? The daughter. He goes, oh my God, well, what are doing you doing ironing. Up? She goes, I'm finishing up my ironing. Why is there like a six-year-old ironing? It's child abuse. That's got to be dangerous, right? They kiss the right? kids on the lip and they let them iron their own shit. That's fun this for them back then. Up. This house is That's really That's the bad. only entertainment there is for kids back then. What you could do some ironing. to Amos and Andy on the radio. What happens next, That is Brian? not Slugworth, sir. It's not? <laughs> no. 
It looked like looked like walks It in. does look it's like him, yeah. <laughs> anyway, so... <laughs> I thought it was Slugwort. Yeah. You've been living a lie. Yeah. So the nice house scene happens, which yeah. is such a great scene because yeah. you feel the threat immediately. Mm. You and remember when they did this on South Park? The nice house scene? This whole sequence. I want that Elliot Ness dead. I want his house burnt to the ground. It was the f- the um, the Tooth Fairy episode. <laughs> oh, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> a million years ago. Like, we're I talking do, 20-year-old episode. I do remember this. Where now, they, yeah. have, they have the Tooth Fairy Mafia. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> they did the nice house thing, though? They did an Untouchables parody. Yeah. Yeah, I don't remember them doing nice house. I don't remember That's they did funny. nice house, but they did the I want that. Yeah. yeah, I remember I that. I want these South Park kids dead. dead. <laughs> yeah. the ca- Luigi, right? I don't remember, yeah. I think his name's Luigi. <laughs> uh, so then after they, this, he gets his family away. They go to Canada, and they meet Mounties, and they have their stakeout. <laughs> yeah, turns, this, th- none of this happened. into a weird None country. of this happened. This but is bullshit. It's so cool. This is my favorite scene. It's a cowboy movie now. Yeah. yeah. They're in the cabin. Makes no sense. Stomp your feet because you're cold. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, that was a good line. But this this fight on the bridge is so awesome, it's and such, I, I don't know how the Mounties didn't get mowed down by machine action. gun fire. Yeah, <laughs> not, nobody got mowed down by machine gun fire at all. Actually. The fact that they so they're equipping them for this raid, and they didn't give them one car. They were like, horses are going to be more efficient. Well, they're going to trap them on the bridge. That's the plan. But you could My pull horse. up. You could pull up a car sideways, right, and block them on the bridge. Right, probably and there's nowhere better. to go. Yeah. Well, you're gonna. They're gonna see the cars. Cars were real. This is kind of why why I brought this up. Remember the the big truck in the beginning when it burst through for the raid that has like the giant like the bulldozer. Uh, the bulldozer. That's a pretty big truck. Like cars were pretty big back then. When you look at the even the the cars on the the bridge itself were, were long. So they're trucks. They're trucks. But to hide like a, like this is why I bring it up. To hide it would probably be pretty hard. But I mean, you could have put it on the side of the house. They also don't know? do well over. Like gravel. I don't have a problem with the horses. What's wrong with the horses? I just think it's, I think they could have given them a car and it's more efficient than like four horses. And these rugged terrain. And these mobsters don't think anything of this random cabin just by the. With four horses? (laughs) They've probably made this delivery a hundred times. I know. I know. Look. But they probably never saw horses near the cabin. Yeah, but. What are they? They're driving up. They're doing doing their thing. This, This is coming from somebody who can't think like a criminal. I can't think of a criminal. No, you can't. Th- you don't want somebody to see you. Like every, if I make the same trip ten times, oh, there's a cabin. There's a cabin. There's never a horse there. Not you a single horse. You don't think after these guys do this this same meetup a hundred times, you're still on your guard. Yeah, no matter what. I don't know about that. Well, they have Tommy guns. Why they're, they're not on their guard? Yeah, well, they're gonna. <laughs> they have an army of dudes. Like they have tons of guys. Yeah, that yeah. are ready to just do battle. Right, which so they do. When you when you pull up, you see a shack with four horses that weren't there before. Mm-hmm. You gotta like, you're gonna question it. You're gonna at least say, yeah. like, what is this? All I'm yeah. saying is the way the Mounties bunch up and charge the bridge. They yeah. should have died. They should have all been mowed down by machine gun fire. <laughs> Only yes. Andy it's Garcia a, is shot. It is fine. Yes. Yeah. It is a classic World War One cavalry charge. Yes. You know, this is charge fucking... the light brigade. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Gangsters to the left of yeah. them. In fact, those Mounties were probably vets. <laughs> like... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> How, what do you think of the scene where the Wallace like runs out of amp? Uh, Wallace is blowing dudes away. He's fucking dudes up with a shotgun. He kills like everybody. Yeah, <laughs> he's got like four confirmed kills. And, yeah. then, five and the music is so glorious. Yeah, <laughs> and then he charges a guy and beats him with like, yes. the butt end of his. He's rifle. so badass. 
And then, you know, the reward is as the alcohol's leaking yes. out, he, he takes, takes a little a sip. Yes. Nobody's is, looking. Yeah, it's a little comedic yes. moment. Yeah, right. Hypocrite fucking narc. And then Ness chases the the man babbling in Italian yeah. <laughs> into the cabin and throws a grenade at him. <laughs> yeah, he just blows him yeah. up. I like when they 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 first turn like the corner of their horses, like without warning. Uh-huh. And you hear one of the gags go, fucking Mounties. <laughs> I started laughing at it. It was a nice diversion, though, because he throws the grenade over, so yes. he thinks he's on one side. Yeah, And then he gets mad at him when the guy doesn't surrender, and he's like, didn't you hear me? Yeah. <laughs> but they catch a guy who has a fantastic coat. He yes. A- Ridiculous fur coat. He has a ledger. He has the ledger, yes. <laughs> they go, the Heath what? ledger. They pick up the book, go, what is this? And it just says ledger on the front. <laughs> <laughs> it's written out in English. Massive ledger. And they go, what is this? <laughs> That's funny. I didn't realize that. <laughs> and everything's right. so poorly coded. So. Like the code name for Capone is like C-Pone. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Who's C-Pone? Is this, is this your code name for Capone? I ain't telling you nothing, Flatfoot. Who's P-O-L-C-A-P-T? <laughs> <laughs> Who is that? Who's Paul Capt? <laughs> so then we get the amazing scene where Connery, like, they're like... So then we get the amazing scene where Connery... Like they're playing good cop, bad cop, and he grabs the dead body, yes. he puts him up against the wall, and he blows his he head off. Scare the guy. Cool. All right, I'll tell you what you want to know. That was yeah. very cool. <laughs> that guy gets so scared. It's such yeah. a badass Connery yeah. moment. Yeah, the old shoot the already dead guy in the head trick. The yeah. Mountie gets so mad. <laughs> How many I times? Do not approve of your methods. <laughs> How many times has Connery done You're that not exact from move Chicago. before? <laughs> <laughs> Connery probably does that in real life. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, with a woman, if yeah. they're not listening to him. He has to shoot a dead body yeah. to get her to comply. <laughs> if you've already told them once and they don't listen, you know, they keep nagging you. The famous <laughs> You got to shoot a dead body and, you know, tell them what's up. They always want to have the last word. <laughs> <laughs> and then we, uh, we find out that uh, he missed an important part in his life for this raid. What do you miss? Oh, the birth of his son. The birth oh. of his son. Sorry, Edgar. Honey. I had to go kill poor Italian immigrants. I couldn't be there. <laughs> I love that Steve <laughs> is subtly supporting the mobs the throughout the whole movie. <laughs> These poor Italian immigrants. They're trying, trying to, make to make a make living. It. That's all. Fed, and, the ta- and, the, and the Chicago Taxi Drivers Guild. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a man of the people. Say, vote for me. So then... <laughs> You're mucking with a G. <laughs> that whole thing. That he shoots the body. That um, <laughs> then we get the I want him dead scene. I think that happened already. No, it's it's after uh, the, it's it? after the bust. Right. I want him dead. I want his family dead. Yeah. And then Wallace goes into an elevator with the person they captured at the border. Yes. And Nitty kills Nitty them. Frank Nitty is in the oh, and dressed as a police officer. Dressed as a cop. And he kills them both. Yes. And writes touchable in blood, which yeah. he had a lot of time. That elevator must oh, yeah. be very slow. Thick lines, too. He had time to murder them and yeah. accurately put touchable in he blood. He took out a paintbrush and like dipped it. And, and we like, see that <laughs> the police chief knew about it. Yep. He let one of his guys get killed. Two and, of his guys, actually. And he warns Connery. Yeah. To he leave tells him town. to leave town. Yeah. And yeah, Connery yeah. is not about You're it. mucking with the Dagos! <laughs> So then uh, Costner gets mad and he goes to the hotel to try to fight with Capone. Come 
Al Capone. You know the one talking a badge. You don't got a thing. You don't got get a the, thing. You ain't got the bookkeeper. <laughs> what a bad move, Uncle. Like, how do you do? How do you even attempt to do that? You're coming to me in front of my son. <laughs> bye, 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 bye. Which actually, we know Capone's son wouldn't have heard it. What because isn't uh, his son deaf? He's deaf. Yes. Yeah. As we learned from Boardwalk Empire. Yes. He's just. How not, do we feel about De Niro in this? That's movie. what I actually wanted to ask. Yeah. Costner's just not. He does man. nothing but just yell. Right. Yeah. He's and so I guess if you're playing Al Capone, fine. But I never pick, like, when I picture Al Capone, it's not De Niro. I picture the boardwalk guy. De Niro's too tall and handsome to be Capone. Yes. You need a, you short, need a short, fat, ugly guy. Yes. Mm. And De Niro is too movie star. Yes. Mm. But that's, he's such a great actor that you yeah. love watching him. Yeah, because it's just De Niro yelling. And who doesn't like De Niro yelling? Exactly. You know? Hey, yo, yo, he's screaming at them and shit. <laughs> he's very exaggerated in this, yes. though. This, is his, this may be his most over-the-top, other than, like, Cape Fear. He's like a cartoon. Yeah. He is like a cartoon. That's a great, that's a great way to put it. But I love it. Yeah, it's The fun. whole movie is cartoonish, though. You're right. So well, how do you feel about Costner in this? Weak. It's not his best role, but it's fine. They needed I love else. Costner. They needed someone uh, You know, me and you were big yeah, Costner fans. I, anything he does, I think, is great. He's not stoic enough in this, though. I think mm-hmm. he's still young. This is like his breakout, right? Mm, no, he had stuff in the 80s. Uh, he's just not like an intimidating force. Well, neither is Ness. He, Costner? Yeah, when, he be, when he's a Western guy. You know. When he goes to go like speak to Capone, when he walks to the building, mm-hmm. well, you want to have it right here? Mm-hmm. That is the most unintimidating man like ever. Mm. He's just like, he's not a threat. Yeah, I guess. But he does blow guys away in this movie, left and right. He also blows them because that's the Chicago, Chicago way. Chicago way. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so then the movie kind of well, we're getting well, towards the end now. Connery goes stole the DA, right? Because yeah. the DA doesn't want to prosecute anymore because they don't have a witness. And Connery goes to the uh, the police uh, chief. Police chief. And they have a fight. A is brawl. An and Irish it's so hug. good. It's They're an fighting Irish in hug, the room. Really. It's just yeah. an Irish hug. That's all. <laughs> the hospital or the morgue? Or the fucking morgue. He loves that line. It's a, it's a great he delivery. He liked yeah. it so much, he had to do it again. Isn't it great that Chicago steals... Uh, that Chicago. Sh- Sean Connery steals the movie from De Niro. Oh, yeah. Completely. Steals, steals it's his everything. movie. Yeah. <laughs> All you do is you just want to watch Connery beat people up with yeah. good lines. And just yell. Yeah. Everybody's screaming through the whole movie. <laughs> <laughs> is this a guy's movie? Women like this. But is this like the ultimate, like, just a pure dude movie? Mm. I don't know what you mean. Uh, no, I know what he means. Like, it just appeals to guy it sensibilities. It is, but... but I think women like this, too. Well, I'll tell you the thing that I looked up at the box office of this. Over 50% of the audience to see it opening day were women. Because of Kevin Costner. Because of Kevin Costner, because he's a dreamboat. Mm-hmm. You know, and he's a young heartthrob at the right. time. So I, but I, just, I wish I, knew, I could think of what he was in before Silverado this. was his big break. Okay. I looked it up. That I was his break. I don't know that movie. I was really good. I watched it for the first time a couple months ago. Uh-huh. You would love it. It's Costner. I love Costner. Yeah. Robin Hood coming up. We're going to do that. This <laughs> oh, myth that's not real. <laughs> yeah, we're going to do King Arthur, too. <laughs> we're just doing bullshit now. <laughs> okay. We haven't touched the medieval period yet, and I think we need to go there. It's going to happen, but I don't think we could do Robin Hood. <laughs> so they have a great fight, Connery and this dude. Connery whoops his ass. Mm-hmm. Capone is watching Pagliacci. 
Yes. Uh, he's now, sitting next on. to crazy hold Joe on. Devola. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> we we uh he you said that he he beats his ass. Well, they have a fight. Connery right? wins. Did he win though? I feel like it was almost yeah, because like a... he gets the information about the book exactly. He's going to be on the train. Okay, all right. They, they, it's a good fight, but Connery yeah. wins in the yeah. end. Mm. You know. Um, what are you prepared to do? <laughs> so then, you know, pa- Capone's watching Pagliacci. He's crying at it. He's crying. Yeah. What he's so moved. Fuck? It's a beautiful, beautiful play, beautiful opera. Have you ever uh, listened to it? No. You have though. Like I know the famous part. But Doc, I am Pagliacci. Everybody laugh. You all know what I'm talking about? That's the Watchmen. All right, I'll tell you. I'll tell you. All right. I was, I Ready? got it right, though. I know you did. Steve's looking at me like I'm crazy. No, I've seen the Watchmen. It's just, all right. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I'm depressed, and I go to the doctor, and I say, Doc, you know, I'm very upset. What do you recommend? And the doctor says, oh, why don't you go into town and see the clown Pagliacci tonight? He'll make you feel better. And then the man starts crying and goes, but Doc, I am Pagliacci. And I don't know why I had to turn to Rorschach, but I did. Here's what I see that joke. Is that supposed to be funny? Yeah. What is the joke? Because the doctor tells him to go see Pagliacci to make him Pagli- feel better. Right. But yeah, he is go Pagliacci. see the clown, but he's the clown. Yeah. It's not so funny. So there's no one for him to see. There's no humor. No, no, no. no. It stinks. <laughs> yeah, you misread my, my disgusting look for confusion. <laughs> <laughs> So then we get the most heartbreaking scene of the movie, yes. which is Sean Connery in his house, and the camera is just watching him through the window. But we get w- probably one of the best lines in the movie. <laughs> Everybody. <laughs> just like a wop, bringing a you know, knife I to a gunfight. <laughs> and this is, this is and the scene And then he's mowed down yeah. with guns. They, they yes. break his character a little bit, which I disliked. I feel like Connery's character would have shot him in the hallway. He had no reason to just let, like try to chase him out and be like, get out of here, you murderer. He has a shotgun on a guy that tried to kill him with a knife. Sure. He has a very nice house. He doesn't want to get his house covered in gore. <laughs> yeah. Sure, but It'll take also... him forever to get the blood stain. So it's a, it's a beat cop that just thinks, like, you work alone with hit guys? Come, eh, nah. Look, it is... He should have killed him. I was watching it, too. I was like, it's ridiculous that Connor is yeah. just blow yeah. this dude away. Yeah. He didn't castle doctrine him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like the, guy's, the guy's in his house like, yeah. trying to with kill him. With a knife. Yeah. Like, he's ready to kill him. Right. Like, he would have shot him. You know? Yeah. Unless, but, you know. Like, I guess maybe Connery thought that this guy's so far beneath him coming mm-hmm. at him with a gun, I'll just chase yeah. him away. But... What are you going to do? Yeah. Sure. They need they need Connery they to needed die. The, they needed the movie to progress. You need the most badass <laughs> last words ever said by a human being. What are you prepared to do? He screams it. Yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> his last words. Yeah. What's better, that or the last words from the witch burnings? Oh, we didn't do More weight. Oh, oh, that. More Cru- weight. The crucible? Yeah. More weight is fucking awesome. Which one's this more, is better. Which one's better? I mean, more weight's true. It's real. But I like, like more weight. You like more weight He's better? Like, Fuck you. It's more weight. Kill me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Sean Connery dying, like, this is what I'm prepared to do. What are you prepared to do is really badass. Yeah. Too. Yeah, it is. <laughs> so the death crawl is juxtaposed with Capone making a champagne toast mm-hmm. as Connery's crawling with blood to get yes. to papers. They find... The body of Connery. And well, he's he, still alive when they get He's still alive, but he's about to die. Right. And they find out they have to go after the bookkeeper. Yeah, they have to go after the, the bookkeeper who's going to get on a train and right. get away. Now, 
need to talk about the battleship Potemkin. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's time for the battleship Potemkin. <laughs> Go ahead, bro. Have you ever seen the battleship Potemkin? No, have you? I have never seen it, but I've seen this scene. They make you watch it in film school. Mm-hmm. It's. Have you ever seen this scene? No. Basically, there's a scene in the battleship Potemkin. Which is what? Which is a stroller falling down a No, bunch. no, no, no. What is the battleship? What is the movie? But battleship Potemkin is a Russian silent film, I believe, from 1928. Yes. About... You know the battleship Potemkin. Yes, these are it's the Odessa Steppe sequence. Yeah, which is part it's of the famous Russian revolution, and it's this woman with her carriage, and the carriage is falling down the steps, mm-hmm. very much like in the Untouchables. It's a direct reference. Yes, we should do battleship Potemkin. Yeah, why not? Yeah, now we have to. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> but this shot is a clear homage, right? And it proves why De Palma is a master because he's reusing iconic imagery from a movie that would probably be forgotten if not for this. Isn't it? Well, I mean... It's famous. I know it because of this movie yes. and everybody talks about it. Yes. Like, this is a legendary scene. Yeah. It's but a fucking cool shootout, too. I'm sure film people would know Battleship Attempt without this movie. Right? Yeah. I wonder how, like... I would be... I would want to watch it far less than if, you know, it wasn't in this. Right. But we get the scene at the train station where... They confront like five gangsters. What's left of the entire was just two guys now. Yeah, it's Ness Andy and Stone. Garcia and Stone. And they arrest the bookkeeper. And they have a cool shootout. Yes, bloody. They, sa- they save the baby. Yep. So there's the, some uh, navy guys. They kill like four sailors. Yeah, they're just sailors, sailors get, getting shot. Yeah. And flying well, they're in the middle. The they're trying to get to the baby. Right. Uh-huh. They're in the crossfire. The, but right before everything goes down. There's like this agonizing scene where Ness is watching this woman pull the baby carriage up the stairs, and you just want him to go, just go help her. Yeah, and he <laughs> he can't because he's waiting for the. Uh, and was, then he does and the makes everything worse. Reaction. I'm like, don't go help her, don't go help her. You're gonna fuck up this whole thing. What are you doing? <laughs> but you don't want the What's woman more important? and the baby to. What's more important? <laughs> you man, don't want them in the crossfire. Man. No, no, no. Like if you're re- if you're a normie, there's four or five sailors that could have helped her. Yeah, I don't know why the well, sailors Well, everybody that left the train at first, they all ignore her. Yeah. yeah. Nobody decides to help her. No. They all just abandon her. Don't get me wrong. It's very nice of him, but, like, you're you're risking... You know, what are you willing to, to do? He's willing to fuck up the entire the entire situation to well, help her. <laughs> I want to talk a bit about why... Like, I looked into the backstory of why the woman is alone with the baby. Does there was a backstory? Really? Yeah. I thought it was just like, oh, look. Her so. husband was actually one of the uh, dudes at the Canadian border that Costner killed in cold <laughs> blood. And now she's a poor widow, <laughs> no husband, and she just has to bring this baby up alone. He threw a grenade at him. Yeah. <laughs> Brian, Brian's slowly getting on my side. <laughs> <laughs> this woman, though, like... This what? racist cop. <laughs> yeah. This racist. <laughs> just took her husband. Above the law, murders whoever he wants. As long as their name ends in a vowel. (laughs) (laughs) I got to say, that kid enjoyed that wild ride, though. His bullets are flying. People are dying left and right. They catch him at the bottom, and he's just laughing. Well, he was caught by two dream boats. I mean, Andy Garcia and Costner. They They could catch me if I'm falling down the stairs anytime. (laughs) 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 That scene when he's like, you got him? I got, got him. him. Yeah. And he shoots, and I, I'll never he forget He shoots this. him right in the mouth. He shoots him in the mouth, and his, his his mouth closes. Me and a bookkeeper are walking out of here. <laughs> when he falls, if you look at the blood splatter on the back of yeah. the wall, uh, that's very much realistic. 
uh, that was that's not even from me. From all that's the gunshots, blast. My cousin was a cop in in the in my. Steve, actually, in, you in may not know, Manhattan. but for years, <laughs> He's been he an worked assassin. as a blood spatter analysis <laughs> for uh, Miami Metro PD. My, uh, my cousin. <laughs> He's actually Dexter. I'm Dexter. <laughs> He's the Bay Harbor butcher. <laughs> my cousin was a police officer in Manhattan, and he, when we watched it with him the first time I saw the movie, he goes, that's what it looks like. And I go, ah. I asked him why. And he goes, look, like, he pause it, and you could see pieces of hair on it. On the wall? On the wall. And then he goes, that's what happens. Oh. So fuck both of you. <laughs> <laughs> I like it better that you were Dexter. I do like that idea better. Yes. <laughs> so they get the bookkeeper on the stand, and Costner discovers that Nitty has a gun, and he takes. I want to. I want to talk about the the court case for a second. Mm-hmm. Okay. Real life. Real life. The real life. One. Yeah. They automatically assumed that the jury had been brought. Yeah. Right. Just like in the movie. Just like in the movie. But in the movie, the judge is also brought. Well, you and don't know. And it's not until it. he's confronted and being told that he's on the take that well, he Costner changes assumes the thing. it. You so know? what happened in real life was the jury had been bribed, but before the trial even started, they switched the jury. Yep. The way it happens in the movie makes no fucking sense because the whole case is already done, and then they just change the juries. You'd have to redo the whole case. You know, these, it'd be a mistrial. Right. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, so there's that. Also, there was a guy at this case that was taken out that had to leave because he was carrying a gun. Oh. It wasn't Frank Nitty. Okay. There's another guy. Yeah, that's I didn't know that. Yeah. You can't, you can't <laughs> exercise your Second Amendment. I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> and his, his, uh, the permit they take off him is signed by the uh, mayor. The mayor, yeah. Mm-hmm. Did that happen in real life? The permit? Oh, I don't know about oh, that. Oh, okay. But this is how he finds him. He, he, he picks up his matches that he drops, right? Well, yeah, he picks up his, well, no, they search his pockets, and he picks up the matches, and he goes to light a cigarette, and he sees the address, which is... 1634 Racine. I had a friend that used to live there, and he pulls out his pistol, yeah. and it's like, ah, yeah. ah. Well, no, first he immediately kills that cop. He shoots him, He yeah. doesn't immediately kill the cop. I don't think the cop died. I think he just shoots him. Okay. He doesn't immediately kill the cop. The cop is about to reach for his gun, and Ness is like, don't do that, and let him let go. Him go. Yeah. And yeah. He's, 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 like, agreeing. He's like, yeah, I'm going to leave now. And then the, the cop, cop pulls his gun and yeah. he's him. You're right. The cop yeah. doesn't listen to Costner. Yeah. Costner the roof, chases the rooftops, him. Gets him to the roof. Mm-hmm. And Costner, you know, fa- pretends to fall off the roof. Yes. And he shoots him in the head, but it hits his, his hat. hat. Yeah. That was an awesome fucking scene. This scene, this movie's so good. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and he chases him around and they get to the end and he's getting ready to bring Nitty into justice. Nitty surrenders. And Nitty says, your friend. I, your friend died squealing like a stuck Irish pig. What'd you, you say? What'd you say? And you think about that while I beat the rap. <laughs> <laughs> and then Costner <laughs> runs him off the roof and says, did he, he somebody that? <laughs> As Nitty plummets to his death. And then he, and then he, to add insult to injury, when he gets to the bottom, he goes, where's, Stone asks him, where's Nitty? He goes, he's in the car. <laughs> See? <laughs> This scene is there because if Costner doesn't have a big win like this at the end, it's not satisfying enough. Right. You need it. You need vengeance to be in that. Re- exactly. Especially after Connery. Because Nitty's the guy who killed the two guys. He killed Connery and he killed Wallace. Yeah. So he had to go. You need it in the movie. We need a victory. He yeah. should have made him suffer more per- personally. It's not good enough that De Niro's screaming like an idiot at the end. Yeah. Right. Which You're not about a lot of talking to bad. People hate that. 
That he was screaming Why? at That him? he was angry in court. Like, Ebert gave it a bad review for that reason. He's like, he becomes, you know, blah, blah, blah at the end. Like, he's screaming in court. It ruins the character. It shows that he's an animal. And blah, he blah, is blah. an animal. He was screaming throughout the whole movie. <laughs> he's fucking Al Capone. Yeah, yeah I know. <laughs> I don't know. Ebert's weird sometimes. Watching <laughs> two people to death with a bat. <laughs> so, he gets thrown off the roof. And then doesn't doesn't he say here endeth the lesson? Yes. Even delivering a cool line like that, he's so that isn't a cool line. So that's weak. a bad line. He's so you don't weak. like that? No. I like it as a reference. It's to a callback to Connery. But. Yeah. But but even when he's saying the thing before he says that, he's like, oh, you never gotta, stop, Capone. Never stop, never stop fighting until the fight never is done. And that's that doesn't make sense. I don't get why. I don't he know says why. That he said, I don't know what that means. Capone said that to the what's that? The what are you saying? <laughs> what, wait, Capone what? said that to the press. Never stop fighting. He goes just like two prize fighters. There's only one left standing. You never stop fighting. He said it to the uh, press because he uh, said he was going to take out the untouchables. How did I never notice? That? I didn't. I didn't get it either. <laughs> I, I was like, this makes no sense that Costner's. Which is said why, that. like, it's supposed to be a badass line, mm-hmm. but delivered from Costner is just like weak. The guilty plea is real, though. He did end up pleading guilty. He had to. Yeah, and he got 11 years, which mm-hmm. really doesn't seem like a lot of time. And he, but he ended up dying in jail. He died in prison. He got yep. syphilis. And there's a movie with like Tom Hardy. That yeah, came out I want to watch it. And yeah. supposedly it's just like him with dementia shitting himself for like like two hours. And like <laughs> it's like the purpose of the movie is just to make like viewers uncomfortable. And I, I gotta really want to watch it. Yeah, I gotta see. This. I've heard it's really weird. Like he's like Tom Hardy actually shit his pants for it. I've heard. <laughs> wow. Yeah, we're gonna do it on here. It's <laughs> but be um, careful, we might get two arrests. Yeah. <laughs> So then Capone gets 11 years, and then Costner's packing up, and he gives, like, the St. Jude medallion. Mm-hmm. Is St. Jude really the patron saint of cops? Uh, policeman, yeah. I thought he was the patron saint of kids with cancer. That's the hospital. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, think there's a, I don't think there's a patron saint of kids, of kids, with, kids cancer. with cancer. Yeah, but wait, why would, they, why would they want lost causes? That's not a good saint to have, kids with cancer. That's sick. But you don't want a lost cause. You want, like, who's the patron well, saying that, like... taking care of you. But you're a lost cause. That means you're still going to die. What do you want, like, the patron saying of, like... like The long shot. You want, like, the patron saying of, like, healing, <laughs> you know? St. Anthony, right? That's the one who finds your car keys. <laughs> <I'm> the- <laughs> Right? Am I wrong? The, the patron saint of, uh, lost, car of keys. lost car keys. <laughs> I need my car keys. i got to take out my St. Anthony medallion. It's he, Anthony's face on he, a corner. He appears. He appears and he goes, they're in the couch cushions. <laughs> he doesn't appear. He rings your bell. <laughs> you open the door. You rang? You rang, yeah. This is the third time this week. <laughs> he walks in. He looks left. He looks right. On the table. <laughs> Walks out. Doesn't say anything. Doesn't say bye. <laughs> no, wait. Am I wrong, though? Isn't that like what St. Anthony is for? He finds your know. objects? I don't know. St. Anthony, I believe, is like, yeah, <sighs> you pray to him when something's lost. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. So, like. St. Jude, I don't think. I, I don't. You have a computer in front of you. You could look this up. <laughs> <laughs> it's funner to talk about. It is. But, yeah, St. Jude, uh, I don't even know if it's lost cause. I, I don't even know if he's... They say it in the movie. Yeah. Patrons Wait. say he lost causes. And, and cops. And policemen. And policemen. <laughs> so then they ask Kevin Costner, what are you going to do now that they're appealing prohibition? And he says, have, have a drink. drink. Fuck him. And then the, the glorious him. music. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'll have a drink. Oh, yeah. I love... Ugh. I love that area of Chicago that uh, they're in. Oh, it's beautiful. I've like been downtown. there. 
You have. Yeah, I went to Chicago once. I loved it, by the way. Do anything in the traditional Chicago sense? Uh, I had a shootout on the steps. <laughs> I bashed a guy's brains in. Mm-hmm. I put mustard. You put on some money on the cubbies. It. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the Chicago way. <laughs> <laughs> no, Chicago. I thought was a really cool city, though. I really, I really. Did you go to that Chicago. stupid fucking hot dog place where they like make fun of you? The Wiener Circle. You did go. There. I didn't go there. No. no, I went to Portillo's. They make fun of you. Yeah, they like insult. They you had a show it. on reality TV. Did they? Yeah, called uh, the Wiener Circle, and it's like somewhere in Chicago, and you go there. It's re- it's a regular stand during the day, and at night it just becomes rowdy debauchery where like the people running the stand are like, "Show us your dick, we'll give you a hot dog," and like. They do like wacky shit and they insult you. And like you're supposed to go like, fuck you, bitch. And like you curse at them and they curse at you back and you buy a hot dog. And like it's mostly black women that run it and people say racial slurs to them. Oh, no. And they say it back. It's like a really weird place. I gotta like, go back. I gotta I go would, here. Mm-hmm. I would feel so awesome. uncomfortable. It sounds great. <laughs> but yeah, that's the Wiener Circle. Um, I didn't go there, but like I love the architecture of the city. It's a cool looking city. Sure, yeah. It's the second city. Yeah. It's the Windy City. I've never been there. I, ha- I have my oldest family record is from Chicago, though. So take a guess what they used to do. <laughs> <laughs> they did it the guess Chicago what date, way. Guess what date that ferry is uh, marked with my name? 1920. <laughs> uh. Fuck. <laughs> Capone served seven years. He died of a stroke in 1947. Who said he died of uh, syphilis? He has yeah, complications. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, a whole okay, bunch of okay. shit. In the late 30s, two-fifths of Americans wanted Prohibition back. Really? Yeah, in the late 30s. Two-fifths. That's, that's a, a lot. That's a big number. Yeah, yeah that, that's that's a pretty big percentage, too. Uh, so, so is that we're making money off it. So I wanted to ask you guys <laughs> this today. Mm-hmm. How would you feel if Prohibition was passed again right now? How would you personally feel? Like, could you exist in society? It wouldn't affect me at all. I don't even know how you answer this question. Yeah. It, it, well, how do you feel from personally? What, from what direction? Like, like uh, it's a failed experiment, or it's a massive civilizational and social experiment that was an obvious failure, and so much so that it was actually repealed. You know, for the the one time America actually fixed its problems. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I am personally for prohibition. You love prohibition. I want it back. You want just moral grandstanding and government intervention in the everyday lives of Well, I just... Aren't you a libertarian? Here's... It's complicated because I don't like (laughs) drugs, alcohol, booze, Uh none of it. I also don't think the government should have a hand, but if it was repealed tomorrow, I'd be like, well, it doesn't affect me. I, it's really, I would just... Like, I'd open a speak. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah we, We'd start a new family altogether. <laughs> the big... <laughs> would you do it the Chicago way, though? Uh, how do you do it any other way? The six <laughs> families start. Yeah. <laughs> this one with more gay sex. <laughs> All gay sex. Yes. The Chicago way. We call- <laughs> It's called the, baby, the name of the place is the Chicago yeah. way. A baby hasn't been born in Chicago in 40 years. Because <laughs> it's all just gay sex. <laughs> all right. Uh, what are your final thoughts on the episodes? What are you rated, gentlemen? All right. Uh, I'm going to say 8 out of 10. I enjoy it. I love it. I cannot give it a perfect score because it's just a little too cheesy and jokey. It's so inaccurate it can't be higher than like a seven and a half. Mm. 
So I'm going to give it a seven and a half because I do love the movie. Uh, yeah, I enjoy it's it. It's fun yeah. as hell to watch. Ready for this? Yeah. Perfect score. No! Yo! <laughs> I fucking loved it. I haven't seen it in a while. Uh-huh. Fucking, I loved every single second I was watching this. Like, sometimes some of these movies, it's like a bit of a chore, uh-huh. you know? I loved every second of it. Every line of dialogue, every great. performance, the violence. <laughs> it's so fucking good. It's so satisfying in every way. It does everything you want it to do. I fucking love it. I, I love that you love it. Yeah. It's great. Man. I'm so happy we watched this. Yeah, it was a good time. Perfect score for Thank me. you for the fan for recommending Who was this. it? Can we give him a shout out? I don't remember who said it in one thread. <laughs> well, you he, know who you are. Yeah, yeah, he brought it up. Uh, Brian, that is. I'm pointing to Brian. Brian brought it up, and I'm like, yeah, I'll, that'll be my pick. I, I'm in. Mm-hmm. This, this is a good... I, I like the gangster stuff. So Who doesn't? Yep. So that does it for this episode, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Bye. I uh, want to thank... <laughs> thank you for listening. Want to... Th- <laughs> so th- we just recorded the Walt episode like an hour ago, yeah. and he told me to stop thanking them. Yeah, he said Are stop. stop? So, so stop. I, it's so, Shorten I, it. Short, right. short and sweet. Keep it simple. I, I want I want to thank Walt and tell him Steve Dave for letting us record in the studio. That's Good. it. That's done. it. That's it. You're done. Yeah, that's All it. right. Uh, <laughs> follow me on social media, at Brian Rupert on Twitter. Follow the show, Reviewing History, Review History Pod on Twitter.com. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, all that stuff. Send an email, reviewinghistorypod at gmail.com. Follow the show on Letterboxd. Follow me on Letterboxd. You could see all of our notes. That's going to do it for this episode, but we have one little other bit of business. We need to talk about the past two sketches I have in my notes that we missed. So let's start with the last episode. Steve, take a look at that and tell me what this is. So for those of you who didn't listen, uh, we did Invincible, the last show. Now, Invincible is a sports movie about football. Philadelphia Eagles. Brian's... <laughs> what is that? Can you tell? Uh, Brian's drawing... Wow. Um, it looks like an unborn fetus in a stomach <laughs> that is laying on a crate. The Chicago way. <laughs> <laughs> I, that's invincible. I, you can't make it out? Who could? Ask Anthony. Maybe he can. All right, I'll take a peek. What do we got? <laughs> His face looks you know, like... Was my description look, accurate? I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. Every time we do this, yeah. I play it up. Yes. Yeah. Right? I, I, I'll make it more ridiculous than it actually is. <laughs> I have no fucking idea what this is. I don't know what this is. Unborn it's, fetus it's a, in a, a stomach on a crate. It's a football helmet with the Eagles oh logo on it. Oh, my God. Do you see it now? I see it now that you said it, yes. <laughs> Wow. Holy shit. Is that one of the worst ones? That's, that's the worst one you ever did. I have no fucking clue what that was. I was pretty accurate, I feel, in my description. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And Let's do Untouchables. This one I think you'll... you'll this is easy. Those are definite, <laughs> definitely steps. This is, this is the, the carriage scene. Yeah. But the carriage itself looks like a dessert. <laughs> It, or a, a cup of coffee being thrown down steps. <laughs> Let me see. I thought this one's pretty good. Okay. I mean, it's, you know what it is. It's clearly stairs, but you got to focus on that carriage. It looks the the 
It looks like coffee. I guess it's the woman at the top. Yeah. She looks like um she's like performing an opera. <laughs> yeah. Well, she's like, screaming. Oh. Yeah, yeah. She's but, screaming my baby. Uh-huh. <laughs> That looks like I, that's not a baby carriage. I don't know what that is. It's some sort of it's like disaster. Cup, it looks like a cup of coffee. <laughs> yeah, it, it does look like a mug. It looks like, yeah. yeah, it's like a nice cup of Joe. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thanks for listening, guys. That's, that's the Chicago way. That's the Chicago way. <laughs>